0: Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. I'm Mathani, and I'm joined by my amazing host, Emma. Amazing. I like that. Yes. Today, we have a special episode because it is a panel. We have Katie and Lacey. I am so excited. I've known both these ladies for a couple years now and love their stories. Um, We're going to focus on open adoption today, and we'll be bringing them back on in future episodes to hear their stories a little bit more um, in depth. But today, we're talking about open adoption, and I'm excited to just get into it. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll be really getting
1: y'all's perspective on um, open adoption in general Um, Obviously, you're going to have to reference your stories, but y'all have some great insight. Y'all are well involved, and we'll talk more about that later, what you're doing for birth moms. But first, Katie, would you please just introduce yourself? How long have you been a birth mom, and what does your open adoption look like?
2: Sure. So I'm Katie, and I have been a birth mom since 2007. I have two children that are in an open adoption Uh, with me. One of my children, my son, I have an extremely open adoption plan with him because I live pretty much daily life um, as he's being raised by my parents. And then with my daughter, I placed through an agency. So I have also a pretty open adoption that has evolved to this point to where I visit her whenever someone prompts a visit and we text very often. That's awesome. Lacey, what about you? Hi,
3: I'm Lacey. I've been a birth mom since 2006. And my open adoption right now looks like a yearly exchange of emails and letters. I write a letter and then I receive an email in return. Sometimes I get really lucky and I get a letter back too, but that only happens every now and again. But it's strictly
0: just communication through emails and letters. Okay. What does open
2: adoption mean to
0: you, Katie?
2: So open adoption to me is very unique, just as unique as every birth mom or birth parent that has an open adoption plan. I think that the most wonderful thing about it is that it's a flexible option when you're placing a child for adoption because it can evolve into so many different things for each season of life. I like that. Lacey, what does
0: that mean to you?
3: I agree. I think open adoption can mean a multitude of things. I've said before that I actually don't think that it has a set definition because to each person in each story, it's truly individualized. Not only does it look different for each person, but it can change over time. And so what you go into it looking like can be completely different with what it grows to over the years or time. Yeah. Mm.
1: I love that because before even starting this podcast, and then before doing this episode, you know, even my definition and understanding of open adoption has changed. I used to think it was, if you have visits, like in person, that was the definition of open adoption, or any form of communication was the definition of open adoption. And what I think is beautiful about that, you know, Katie, you say flexibility, and Lacey, you talk about it changing over time. There's a reason for that, you know, Mm because it's a relationship. You can't define, you know, a friend, right? In the same manner, someone else would define it because we have different types of friends and different types of relationships. And I think that's what makes open adoption so beautiful, right? Is it means something different to each of us, especially as birth mothers um, mm. and fills our cups in different, different ways. And something I want to discuss as well before we move forward with more questions is the history of open adoption. So when I was doing some research beforehand, um, I was actually surprised that open adoption has been around for most of US history not necessarily because of why it exists today, but because of the lack of privacy in adoption records. So actually as a means to regulate the adoption records, I think 1917, the first state started to create laws to regulate them, then other states followed and it got stricter to the point where closed adoption became the norm and it actually got very difficult for adoptees to ever find their birth parents medical records, original birth certificates, and then what, in the 1960s, 70s was really when research started to begin about the benefits of an open adoption. That is when I think the movement really began to reopen adoptions, and there's so many reasons why and different reasons for each part of the triad, right, for why that movement began but I think it's an important thing to note and understand the history and that yeah there is no set definition but with that I'll go ahead and let Mathani ask the next question regarding open adoption.
0: Yeah so Katie you have a unique perspective because you're an adoptee yeah and so you grew up knowing adoption so when faced with an unplanned pregnancy you chose to place your children but with your daughter why did you choose an open adoption?
2: Sure. So since I was adopted when I was two days old through an agency, I grew up with a closed adoption. I didn't really understand until adulthood how important having a connection to your biological family is. Through life, I realized later on that I had suffered a lot of trauma from just not knowing a lot of my identity. And mm. so that led to not knowing sense of worth, which then led to wild and crazy teenage years and unplanned um, pregnancies. Just moving forward with that, I knew that I didn't want my children to ever question their worth or identities or that I loved them. And um, because mm. those were all questions that I had to battle growing up wondering about my biological parents. I just knew that whatever it looked like all i wanted was to be able to tell them these things at some point in life and to live it out live out my love for them so that they would never question those things so katie
1: something i do want to touch <laughs> on is the open adoption regarding your son who your parents adopted because a lot of people you know don't go through an agency and they choose someone they know or someone within their family and so Definitely open adoption would be natural, but what does that look like? What does your son refer to you as? Um, What kind of role do you play in his life?
2: So at the beginning it was really messy because I did look into adoption when I was pregnant with him and I chose at that time to parent Um, and Six months down the road. I looked around. I had two jobs. I was going to school I was trying really hard, but at the end of the day I was still a child and I didn't know what to even do with myself. And so I just knew that that wasn't the life I wanted for him. And my parents were gracious enough to step in because he had already been a part of our family for so long. So to switch that drastically from parenting one day to then, Oh, now my parents are parenting was really hard, especially for teenager to grasp. You know, I grew up with watching MTV's Teenage and Pregnant and stuff. So I think that's where a lot of stuff came through of just like watching TV and how they glamorize teenage pregnancy. I really Mm -hmm. was headstrong that I could do it. And so then when that got ultimately taken away, it was difficult. And so The biggest thing that I remember is one day I came home and my parents told me that they had sat with a social worker and that the social worker suggested that this was confusing for him, that I was mommy and mom and dad were mom and dad. And they suggested to start calling me Katie. Well, the first time I ever heard my son call my mom, mom, it broke me. I was completely shattered and devastated. And the main reason was just because to me, I never stopped being his mother. Mm -hmm. And even today, 13 years down the road, I still consider myself his mother. So that was just really hard for me to have to share that title, that role with someone else, even though it's someone that I love as a mother too. So I think that was the most difficult part, but over time it's become natural. I will say that when I'm introduced as his sister, that still really bothers me. And I will never say that he's my brother just because he's not. Wait, what? Yeah. So- Was that something
1: the caseworker
2: suggested? I'm not really sure. I don't remember whether or not they suggested that, but that's just kind of what it evolved into because we didn't tell him at first because it, again, is super confusing. And so we didn't make it very clear that- okay mommy is still mommy but also your sister legally so we just waited till he was old enough to prompt the question on his own and when he was able to say hey did I come from your tummy to my mom my mom was like it's time to have this talk and that's when we came out with everything and said that Katie's your birth mom and she loves you so much being able to live life with him has really just helped kind of smooth that out to where he's never been confused um, and it's never impacted him negatively to have this complex situation. But when talking about it and giving all the details, it is super confusing. Well, and it shows that no matter
1: that dynamic, no matter who the adoptive parents are, even within the family, there's, there's always gonna be complexity. I mean, everyone's just doing the best that they can with the information they have.
2: Right, and And we have a great relationship and it has been more difficult with him being in his teenagers to co-parent, but my parents are super supportive and obviously are very pro adoption. So we've been able to just take things as we go. And I'm just really happy that they're able to support me through all of this and not just quickly dismiss my feelings on however I'm triggered. So Lacey, were you aware of what an
0: open adoption was? Uh, coming into the adoption world? Um, was this something you wanted immediately? Sure. So I really didn't want to place
3: my daughter for adoption. I wanted to parent and I tried to figure it out for as long as possible. And so I, adoption wasn't even something that I was thinking about because the birth father and I were together initially. And then we broke up and I found myself by alone. And my yeah. parents who I weren't, I was not living with my parents at the time. I was kind of all over the place um, between my sister and then the birth uh, father's family. So when it was for sure that we were not going to reconcile and that I was going to have to figure something out, my father was like, look, I heard about this place or an agency that you could utilize to place your child for adoption. I really feel like that's going to be the best option for you. You're 17. You dropped out of high school. You have no job. You have nothing. And we, unfortunately, are not going to step in and provide you with the resources and support that would be necessary to raise a child. Um, My little sister was only like two years old at the time. My dad had just got remarried. So they weren't interested in having a rebellious teenager and her baby living in the house with them. So he heard about the agency from a coworker and they had the opportunity for me to go and live at the dorm. And so that's really what took us there and once we got there they kind of told me about the different options about what different possibilities there could look like in adoption and that's the first time that I even realized that I could place my child for adoption and continue to have a relationship with her after. And so they kind of told me that that would be an option. And that's kind of what I latched onto. I was like, well, if I can't parent, then the next best thing is to be as involved as possible. So I wanted as open as I could get. I, I really wanted to find a family that would allow me to see her all the time and be involved as much as possible.
1: You know, going off of that, and we'll start with you, Lacey, did the family you choose reciprocate that same desire of openness? You know, have y'all had to compromise anything? What? Walk us through that journey of...
3: Yeah. So when I first started looking at parent profiles, um, which for someone that has never placed their child for adoption, when you work with an agency, they bring you a set of books that these adoptive parents have created themselves to tell about their lives and their stories. And you kind of work with the agency to figure out what you would be looking for. And so I was super adamant that I didn't want to look at a profile unless the family wanted an open adoption. So those were the
0: only ones that I even looked at or considered. And you want to like just fully like open, like as many visits as possible. I wanted
3: us to be best friends. Hey. I wanted us to be yeah. on all holidays together. I yeah. wanted us to, to be, I wanted to be in her life every single day, um, but it, it, I couldn't be her parent, so I was looking for somebody or a family that would let me be so involved and around all the time. I wanted all of her memories of all the big moments in her life to include me.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's great because you were able to advocate for yourself. I think there are a lot of expectant moms and birth parents who wish they'd asked for more. The worst, you know, an adoptive parent can say is no, like we're not comfortable with that level of openness. So that's really cool to hear that you were like, this is what I want. And, you know, bring me profiles for, people who agree. Yeah. I think I
3: drove my caseworker a little bit crazy because I (laughs) I really was adamant about this. I really didn't even want to look at anything while I was still scrambling to figure out if I can make parenting happen. Mm -hmm. But she kept trying to push it on me. And I was like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then I'm like seven and a half months pregnant. She's like, listen, (laughs) you got to get ready. Okay. (laughs) So then I finally caved in and looked at, at the profiles, but only, only those that were interested in what I was interested in. So the family you
1: chose, did they have that same level of openness then?
3: They were very interested in an open adoption. They wanted that relationship with um, the birth mother. So okay. it worked and, out.
1: Yeah. And they wanted visits or just communication? Yes.
3: They wanted visits. They were local to the area. Um, okay. So they were really interested in maintaining that relationship, not only through communication, but in person as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. Now, now, Katie, with the family you chose, you know, we already talked a little bit about your son's um, parents, your parents, about your second adoption and with your daughter, correct? Yes. Yeah, so walk us through with that adoptive family. Did they have that same desire of openness that you did?
2: I don't ever really remember us setting anything in stone from the beginning. I just know that we both were open to whatever open adoption blossomed into for us. And at the beginning, it was a lot more scheduled and formal than it is now, because now it's really raw and authentic. But I think a lot of that has to do with, it's awkward. When you start going into this, it's a new relationship and relationships are messy. And I didn't, know how much of myself to show to them and how much they wanted to be a part of who I was. So just navigating our boundaries and showing that we respect one another's separate lives, that really is what led it into more than it was at the beginning. And it did get a little complex because a couple years after I placed, they ended up divorcing. And so I have not seen her father since then. So that was probably when she was two or three. And so now I just have an extremely open adoption with her and her mom.
1: You know, something you said that reminded me of um, our last episode with Lori, she talked about how it's a really awkward dance of respect. And I feel like you just really reiterated that. You, It almost has to be awkward because both parties need to be respecting each other so much that you're like, yeah, you're almost a little reserved and hesitant and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think that's a healthy thing in an open open adoption, especially in the beginning. You know, when, especially if you're meeting at a neutral location, because you know, everyone has to be comfortable for it to be fully open later down the road. So I think that's awesome. Right.
2: Yeah, and I think we're all in different seasons of life too. Who I was when I placed was definitely not someone I want to revisit. Um, sh- I was extremely wild and still just kind of blowing with the wind and life. And so I didn't really have a full grasp on what adoption would look like for me afterwards. I didn't know that I was going to grieve or any of that. So I think it's good that we started out really small because it kind of yeah. just kept giving. Yeah. It's been small steps. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't just go from one visit a year and emails to what we are today but we started out with a couple years of just emailing back and forth updates and pictures and doing like one or two visits a year usually around her birthday and around Christmas and then we went to Facebook because Facebook started to really get trendy and they had just a plain Facebook that was only supposed to be like update related. It wasn't personal. And then eventually we got to where we were so comfortable with one another and doing life together that it became her mom's personal Facebook. And so I see everything that, you know, she puts on social media and she texts me all the time. Now she just had a dance recital. So she sent me her cute little tap number on video and so just getting to share those moments really makes Mm -hmm. me feel like I'm a part of her life more than what it was at the beginning where I didn't get to see those highlights.
0: Yeah Yeah. and Lacey how has your um, open adoption evolved since placement until now.
3: So my adoption kind of did the opposite of what Katie's did. We were really open in the beginning um, and I went to their house and we went on outings. My whole family, my sisters, my mom, my grandma, we all spent time together. And then a few months after, um, maybe my daughter was like six months old or so, the birth father and I got back together. And that really shook things up a bit for everybody just Mm -hmm. because it was not something that anybody thought was going to happen. I know the parents did not think that that was going to happen as well as myself. So um, it really complicated things a little bit. It made it a lot more difficult for me, honestly, because Mm -hmm. now I'm back with him and I'm thinking about how we could have had our child here with us. And adoptive parents are thinking about how I'm probably thinking about that, or that's mm-hmm. you know, what I assume. And, and so things started to get a little bit uncomfortable and awkward, even more so than they were when we initially met. And so I made the decision to take a step back and to not have in-person visits And that's when we made this shift to the once a year exchange of email and and then the letter. I always wrote the letter. I gifted her a book so that she could put those letters in that I sent each year. And then they would respond obviously because she was too little um, with Mm -hmm. with pictures and updates and things like that. And that's where we've been. So she's 14 now. I got my first letter back from her when she was seven, which was adorable. And mm. all her favorite shows and all this stuff. It was so cute. And just recently, as she's gotten older and social media has become this huge thing, did we start having more communications? Um, she actually created a Facebook and friend requested me. I was not friends with her parents on Facebook. And so wow. that was, like... Shocking! I was literally laying in my bed and look at my phone, and I get this notification that says, "So and so is sent your friend request," and I'm
0: like, "Yeah, Ooh, what's happening?"
3: <laughs> I'll
1: say oh. this: it is crazy how easy it is to find someone on yes. social media. One of my sisters yeah. is on Hinge on one of the dating apps. And all you need is a first name and a look. I mean, it is, I sound like a stalker, geez, but really, I mean, you, you can find anyone. So she was able to find you, which in itself is interesting that she, she had a mission and a desire to find you. Yes.
3: Yes. So I'm instantly panicking, thinking, what is my profile picture? What is, what kind of (laughs) Mm, (laughs) inappropriate things do I have on (laughs) there? And I actually messaged her parents and I said, I don't know if you guys know that this is happening, right. but I feel like it's really important because I have, you're her parents. I, I need yeah. to know that this is something that you know and are okay with. And they're like, ah, actually, we didn't know this was happening. So wow. thank you for telling us. We're not comfortable with her even having a Facebook. And so I honestly was relieved because for me, scrolling through Facebook is mindless or even a little infuriating sometimes when I see someone <laughs> else's opinions. And so to just scroll through and see a photo of her or hear, you know, that wasn't something that I was mentally prepared to incorporate yeah. in my daily life. I was relieved. And uh, since then, we've had more conversations. And especially since I've become more um, active in the adoption world, writing and being having my face out there, I did let them know because I'm aware that she is searching on the internet. And so. Yeah them to be able to prepare her for whatever and so that's opened up our conversations a little bit more to talk about having an in-person visit for the first time which is again something I'm really scared about but excited
1: I just got chills thinking about it yeah
3: I can't even imagine just to see your baby is so different than to see a teenager so I'm right. really petrified, but at the same time, I, I just can't wait. It would be amazing. And so if that's something that works out and she still wants it, then I'm here for it. But if, if it's not, and we're going to do this email thing, that's fine too. I just want yeah. her and her wishes and her parents.
2: I totally forgot that about your story, but it is true that birth moms are easily found because that's how I found my birth mom is through MySpace. Oh, wow.
3: <laughs> MySpace. space. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, It really makes you think so hard about the things that you're posting (laughs) and what you're saying um, about somebody just being able to find you. Just like, like you said, you just need a name and and a location. And sometimes not even that it's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say, Lacey, I love what you said about, you know, ultimately you want the decision to be hers as to whether visits start happening again. Because this this is what this is all about. It's about the adoptees. Open adoption doesn't really begin until the adoptee has the say, right? Because mm-hmm. when they're little, the parents are kind of facilitating everything. But once they find their own voice, I think that's when it really begins, and that's when <laughs> that's what I'm most terrified for. You know, is when my daughter has a say in a, you know her voice, and I'm scared they're just going to be like, mm, "I don't really want visits this year," you know, like. I will respect it, but I will die inside. (laughs) Definitely. And that's Um, actually
3: been something that I've struggled with for a long time because all she has to know of me is what I'm writing in these letters. Mm -hmm. And I am a flawed person. I have made a (laughs) lot of mistakes and done some things that I am not proud of. And so it's hard to figure out how to be authentically myself, but Mm. still put a pretty shiny bow on it that is like, she's, you know what I mean? Like she would still want to know me, um, but still be true to myself and know that all of the decisions that I've made, even the bad ones have shaped me into who I am today. And I want to share that with her, but it's difficult to do so just through a piece of paper. I totally know what you mean about once they, the adoptee takes control of the relationship. That's when the real For me, that's when it feels like it's really real. And now is the time to figure out what is going to (laughs) happen. Right.
1: Well, and something else that I think is so important to point out about your story, Lacey, is even though, I mean, it is, this is about the adoptee, right? The adoption, our focus should be on the adoptee, but we all have needs and we all need to be healthy in order for it to Mm -hmm. be fruitful when the adoptee decides to start pursuing it how they want to pursue it, and mm-hmm. so the fact that you are able to say this is uncomfortable. I don't think it's productive. I think we should end visits. That's actually a part of open adoption. A lot of adoptive parents are really taken aback by, but is is more common within adoption than people expect. That birth parents actually might tend to pull back. My my mom, you know, as a birth mom as well, and she took a step back. She made the initiative to cut visits for a while, for years. And that is okay. I think Mm -hmm. everyone involved has to be able to express their needs and boundaries. And it sounds like you had been doing it since the beginning. You wanted open adoption. You made it clear. You were (laughs) unwilling to compromise. And and obviously there's a healthy level of compromising, right? I mean, but you, you were- okay with sharing what you needed. Sometimes birth parents need different things. I mean, sometimes a visit a month later is exactly what a birth mother needs. I know that filled my cup. I remember Mathani mentioning she could have never done that. That would have been Mm -hmm. too much.
3: And that's okay. Like that is okay. Yeah, definitely. I never would have pictured my adoption playing this way. And when I had, when I was pregnant and I was meeting women because I lived at the dorm everybody's different um and those mm-hmm. some of those women were not wanting to have an open adoption I was judging hardcore was I judging them because I <laughs> could not understand yeah. why you would not want to be around your child every second of every day if given the opportunity so um it's something I've struggled with did I make the right decision by doing that but I I truly am happy with the decision that I made because I feel like It not only gave her the opportunity to have the healthiest life possible in regards to her, uh, you know, her adoptive family, her birth family, whatever. It also gave me the opportunity to heal and feel like I was going to live too, that I wasn't just giving her this life to live, but that I was Mm going to get an opportunity to live as well.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful way to put it. Mm -hmm. You know, something else we want to ask y'all is pros and cons. Katie, what... You know, specifically regarding the open adoption, there's obviously good and bad to everything, two sides of a coin, right? What are some of those pros and cons?
2: Like you said, there's so many birth moms that are out there that do want closed adoption. It is really hard to grasp that at the beginning because I felt that too or um, you know hearing other birth moms say that they don't want visits but they do want letters and like why would you not have that flipped but you don't understand it until you're in the deep of grief and so I think it's both for me I get to see her and you know since I have that extremely open adoption with my son too. He's always gone with me to visits, and so they now know about one another. And so just to see even that in and of itself, for them to have their identity as an adopted child and finally be able to match that with someone else and say, you're just like me and you're my mm-hmm. sibling too, has been really cool um, to just fill my mama heart. I mean the yeah. grief has not been i was completely blindsided because i'm adopted i've always had this perception that adoption is beautiful and you know it's a it's sacrificial love so how could it not be all positive and sunshine and <laughs> once i got down to probably 7 years after um placing my daughter i was hit with a brick wall of grief and didn't know what to do because I wasn't expecting to have to deal with any feelings other than positive ones. And so I think for me to be able to see them grow up, even though it's living life apart from each other, I still get to watch their lives unreal before me. That has been completely beneficial to my healing process because I'm still still getting to watch them grow. It doesn't look like the conventional way that mothers get to watch their children grow, but it still really helps me. But I also in that know that I want that for myself someday. And so I have to grieve motherhood while I'm celebrating motherhood in those visits, because I'm also sad that Mm -hmm. I'm not more a part of it than I am. And I had to learn too that that's not regret because I know I've been asked so many times before if I regret what I did and I don't, I would still go through it a million times over because I love them and I know that their life was the better for it. They were able to have a different outcome than what I could have gave at the time. And so I think that that in and of itself is just a pro and con that you get to celebrate motherhood and grieve motherhood at the same time. Yeah, that's the complexity of visits.
3: Yeah. Lacey, what about you? Yeah, I I think it's really hard to make a list over here that says pros and a list over here that says cons because they're so intermingled. And Mm. everything that could be a pro could also be viewed to me as a con, you know what I mean? Because my Mm. child is thriving in a life Mm -hmm. I would have never been able to provide her but at the same time that came at the cost of my heart you know yeah so it's really difficult to say what the set pros and cons are I think complexity is pretty much the best way to describe Mm -hmm. adoption because it really is so complicated
0: and beautiful but complicated and painful yes yes (laughs) absolutely what advice would y'all give to any hopeful adoptive parents that are listening or any expectant moms about the reality of entering an open adoption?
2: I would say for hopeful adoptive parents to be as open minded as you possibly can be going into it. I mentioned before that we all have seasons of life and that that's such a great thing because just because you go into this adoption thinking X, Y, Z is going to happen, you start living life and six months down the road, you're like, I am not comfortable with what's happening right now. And I know we said that we were going to do this, but that's just not realistic for me right now. And so for that type of thing to happen, know that one, you being uncomfortable is completely valid and expected, honestly, because we all have feelings going through relationships. And sometimes things can move too quickly or move too slowly. And we need to be able to communicate that with the birth parents through that process. And so I think have an open mind because you don't know how you're going to feel six months into it. You could either think you're moving too slow or too fast, or you need to add XYZ in. That's really important so that birth mom can manage her expectations because when our expectations aren't managed that's when I think grief hits us the hardest because Mm. we're waiting we're holding on to hope of getting to see this update of how our child is thriving in the life that we chose for them and then when that doesn't get met There's that downward spiral of what did I do wrong? And it's just not healthy. So that's something that I think is really important. And then also just for expectant mothers who are considering adoption, I never, ever want to hide the fact that being a birth mom is a lifelong journey of complex emotions. And you will feel, and I am living proof of thinking that that is not realistic. (laughs) And it is. I will forever have to man- manage my days and you know, the smallest things could trigger me, such as shopping in bye bye baby or, you know, a baby store, and then getting hit with that feeling of, oh, this could have been my reality yeah. a decade plus ago. And, you know, having to manage that and move forward so I'm not just falling apart in the middle of a baby store and everybody's <laughs> wondering what the heck's going on with you too from the expectant mother side just have an open mind too of knowing that you don't know what this journey is going to look like for you six months down the road either and Mm -hmm. to be able to just embrace that and give yourself grace when you're moving through that journey because it's so important and something
1: I I like that you touched on is how sometimes it's really painful and how sometimes it's not, right? How there's and, and you and you talked about it too when we asked you about pros and cons, but something I know that surprised me that I would want someone to know is you also don't know when that's gonna happen, right? Yeah. You talk about, you know, <laughs> that store you might have walked through a month after placement didn't cause emotions, but ten years down the road, some reason that store triggers it. And I don't say that to discourage yeah. anyone, but if anything to comfort them that that's okay and normal. That grief is not this. Once you've gone to enough therapy sessions, it's officially <laughs> dealt with, and you know, <laughs> you know, wipe your if hands. If only, yeah, if only. But that it's a constant progress. <laughs> Granted, maybe that ten years down the road, you're, you're even though you're devastated, it's not maybe as painful as it would have been, right? If you if you didn't work through it. But I know for visits, for me, that was something that was surprising. That you know, some visits, I felt so fulfilled. You know that. I could see the plan work and she was happy and all those things. And I would leave feeling content and other times mm-hmm. it felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest and it mm-hmm. felt unbearable. And it's actually mm-hmm. a huge reason why my daughter's birth father stopped visits because for mm-hmm. him, it was the openness actually felt unbearable. You know, I like that you mention that, yeah, that baby store, who knows when, it, you know, it might take you by surprise and, and you think you're doing fine. And, and that's just
0: part of the grief, right? Lacey, what about you? What advice would you give to any hopeful adoptive parents or um, expectant moms listening? I think the one main thing to
3: remember is to be authentic to yourself, especially an adoptive parent who's like, what do I do? How do I do this profile? How do I act when I meet the birth mom? There's a lot of unknowns. And when I have done panels on the past they want to know what should I say or what is the one thing that made you choose your adoptive family? And for me, and I think for a lot of others, it was just them being their authentic selves and staying yeah. true to them, not trying too hard, just be you. Um, and I think the same can go for a birth mom. You have to allow yourself to be who you really are and feel what you really feel. I know Katie and I both talked about how. After placing our children for adoption, you kind of feel like you have a mask that you have to put on Mm -hmm. to represent other uh, birth parents in the community and be very, yeah, I did this great thing. I know it. I know it was awesome that I put my own feelings and wants to the side in order to give my child this opportunity in this life. But it hurts, man. It hurts bad (laughs) for a long time. I don't know if it's ever gonna not. Be painful in one way or another and I wish if I could go back that I would have let myself feel those things right off the bat and not have just mm. tried to slide back into my life and answer the question, yeah, I'm so proud of myself and just have been real and authentic instead. I am proud of myself, but it costs, it's pain. There's a lot of pain that I'm dealing with and I will always deal with. So just being really real to everything that you're feeling and who you really are, uh, are really important instruments to remember.
0: Yeah. It's that complexity that, you know, you were talking about earlier. I love that. So now what are y'all up to these days, as far as like in the adoption community?
2: Lacey and I um, have started a group called The Table, and it's all about birth parent connections. We used to be a part of a support group through an agency, and I think that that's really where we started launching this idea of what would it look like if there wasn't an agency involved? Because I think a lot of birth parents, no matter what the situation or story is with the agency, Mm -hmm. and it could have been all wonderful and positive, they are tied to the hurt that is the loss of their child. And so they don't always utilize the resources that are given to them post adoption. And we just started saying, what if we were able to create this space for people to network and meet other birth parents so that we can live life together? What would that look like? And so it just kind of took off from there. Mm
3: -hmm. I know that I was thinking it and then I had been thinking it for a while and then Katie and I were texting and she was like, hey, I'm thinking this. And I'm like, that's so weird. I'm thinking it too. What if we did it together and made it a little bit more, uh, you know, easier to, to do the two of us instead of just one person stepping out and trying to figure mm-hmm. it out on its own. So we've been really able to bring our different qualities to the table and, and work together. And I'm really excited to continue to make connections with not only other birth parents, but also educate anybody that is even interested in knowing about adoption, a member of the triad in any way. So it's just been really fun and exciting to think about what could come in the future.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that, you know, this space that y'all have created is for not just birth mothers, but birth fathers too. I mean, obviously- we are birth mothers amplified. You know, we are giving a voice to the women. Birth fathers matter as well, and so I'm really excited to see kind of what you know the table does for that community. And um, and hopefully, I know, like, see your husband. You know, is a birth father, and his yes. birth father that y'all placed um, your daughter. Is he going to be involved at all? He
3: is not as vocal
0: about okay. his feelings.
3: He has um, been more of a supporting role throughout yeah. this for me. Someone um, has to
1: do that too.
3: That's right. That's yeah. right. So, but you know, he's never even met another birth father ever. Um, and yeah. so the idea that not even necessarily him, but another man in his same position, we could help kind of make them feel more comfortable in sharing this yes. because men and women are really different and how they process mm-hmm. the motion, how they deal with everything is different. And so to create a space where they too could feel heard would be really huge. I think
1: what will the table look like in, I know y'all are active on social media and educating people, Right. Are y'all gonna have support groups or what are some of the things that y'all want to do with the table?
2: So right now the main idea is whenever, you know, COVID-19 goes away a little bit more and more comfortable having (laughs) in-person events, we're planning on just having happy hours and dinners. um, So more like social hours for birth parents to connect. So that way it's really comfortable and nobody has to feel like they have to fit this formal looking box to come in and that's really I think the launching pad for us is to just have these social hours but we plan on constantly coming up with creative ideas to educate birth parents on how they can handle grief what it looks like evolving your open adoption plan but less of a teaching method and more of Let's have a conversation at dinner and talk about these things. So it's, it's going to be really casual. That's our main idea. Obviously we haven't had our in-person event right now. We're really focused on connecting through social media and continuing to just educate people about birth parents and adoption in general.
1: Where can people find y'all on social media?
0: On Instagram, it's the table DFW. Awesome. Well, we're so excited. Um, definitely keep us updated. I think y'all, y'all are gonna do really big things with the table. Super excited.
1: We need it. We need the community and network of each other.
0: Katie, Lacey, thank you so much for joining us today. I think you gave us some really good insights the listeners obviously some really good insights and i'm just thankful for you both and the work that you're doing we definitely will have you back on to get more into both of your your individual stories
2: thanks y'all yeah thanks for having us
1: Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified.
0: The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call
1: 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.